Hello, hello. Hey. Yeah, welcome back everyone to Ukrainian Space. This is our live edition that is being automatically recorded and then maybe you're listening it already as a podcast. Nevertheless, welcome. Valeria, I'm, you know, so sorry because I need to start this uh, broadcast with this ugliest thing that happened to you that was already happening while we were recording the previous episode episode the vile online attack that happened on you and I'm as a person who deals a lot with you know online security and disinformation the attack that had all the signs of being a coordinated attack how uh, how you've been dealing after that I am I'm okay <laughs> i think yeah it's obviously been horrific one thing i will say is that um it's funny how i just don't even want to talk about like any any descriptions of what happened and why it happened but just to say like you know four years ago at my previous job i worked on like a massive campaign about violence against women online on twitter in particular and we did a whole campaign essentially asking you know twitter to be better at making sure that women are not silenced for you know any opinions that they hold essentially um by getting loads and loads of abusive uh you know tweets abusive messages abusive and threatening essentially um rhetoric in their regard and it's just insane that i don't know i mean it's not insane it's completely expected that it also happened in in my case as soon as you as you tell me like as soon as you have more people following you and as soon as you start you know reaching certain parts of twitter that you've never reached before like the abuse just comes straight away in your direction and and it's a bit anyway sorry that was a very long-winded explanation for how i no. feel but essentially i'm just grateful for people who were like many people by the way who i met this is not to like do massive promo for Ukrainian spaces but like a lot of people who did help me over the past couple of days were people that I met because of our podcast and because of the network that we created as a result and many of you know these people and and I'm just grateful that you know we were able to meet and talk and create that connection that you know helped me over the past couple of days absolutely but uh, the good point is also to emphasize that this kind of vile abuse, of course, those people, those Ukrainians online who um, are growing in their audience, they get more of it. But each and every Ukrainian faces this kind of abuse, maybe on a lesser scale. Some days are easier, some days are worse on each and every social media platform these days, on top of Ukrainian accounts being um, re uh, uh, everyday systemically suspended due to organized uh, mass reporting. So I, I think we also discussed a lot with Ukrainians uh, over these days and over especially what happened to you, how we can all deal with it. And some of the foreigners, you know, they are even good hearted. They would suggest, well, you can just quit the social media platforms or you can, you know, you just log off and you don't have to do this. and. This is where lots of people do not understand that there it is a privilege for you to log off and not to speak out while your people are being genocided 
And that kind of privilege the majority of Ukrainians do not have. And we use each and every platform, no matter how disgusted we are with these experiences, we keep coming back every day, keep doing that because for us, there is no other option. So instead, let's talk about the security on these platforms. Let's talk about how we can protect Ukrainian voices uh, and why there is so much abuse happening uh, while we're talking about these ridiculous things of, you know, charging us for using the platform or for using blue checks. Sorry, I rant. No, no, it's totally understandable. It's been a week with a lot of different things that have happened and I think, yeah, anyway, I think a lot of these things are getting to us and it's just important to keep reminding ourselves that, you know, we're in for the long run um, and we just need to get all the tools we can to be able to keep going. So, guys, check out, by yep. the way, Tim posted, I know it's about me, but he posted a thread about basically tools and tricks of misinformation, disinformation and trolling that Russia has been using for a very long time. And it's quite helpful because if you're feeling, because it's quite easy to feel like what's the attacks that you're getting are not coordinated and you start, it's like gaslighting. Basically you start doubting yourself, you start doubting your, what you said, you start doubting everything. That's their literal intention to do that. So if you just need a reminder of the fact that this is an actual tactic that has been used for such a long time to not just to Ukrainians, by the way, to many people. And how many times have we repeated over and over again that, you know, Syrians have been saying this for a very long time to many of us and, you know, many other people before that, you know, literally there is there the whole lot, the whole logic, the whole strategy that a lot of these bad actors have is to divide us and to make sure that we start doubting ourselves and start doubting our empathy towards like, people in general and so let's just like remind ourselves that it's it's something that's deliberately done to us and there's very little you know actual solid grounding mm. in what these people say so just to say that you know ukrainian spaces for those of you who don't know is obviously about amplifying ukrainian voices but today we're also going to talk and we have spoken and in general it's also important to remind everyone about not just amplifying Ukrainian voices, but protecting them. So thank you for coming and listening to us today. And before I introduce our featured Ukrainian for uh, today, I also want to thank our Patreon sponsors because Ukrainian Spaces is 100% listener supported and exists thanks to generous donations of our Patreon family. Uh, by the way, if you are is uh, are, if you are as enraged about what has happened to Valeria and other Ukrainians online, the best um, the best way I can suggest is to donate more to Ukrainians, to Ukrainian army, to Ukrainian volunteers, to Ukrainian spaces if you'd like so. And uh, for our Patreon, if you join our family, Patreon family, not only you help our mission to amplify more Ukrainian voices and decolonize more Ukrainian conversations online, you also get uh, lots of extra bonus content. But most importantly, you can get front row seat. Uh, when we feature our guests, you can ask them questions directly, join the broadcast or through us. So please do consider that. Anyhow. That's it. I think it's time for us to introduce our featured Ukrainian. Yes, yes. Hello. Um, following our golden rule, uh, we let our featured Ukrainians to introduce themselves. So please 
tell everyone else um, who you are, where you come from, and maybe a little bit how your life has changed uh, in recent eight months of, uh, of the genocide in Ukraine. Yeah, um, I'm Vladislav Hiroskevich. I'm from Kiev, Ukraine. Uh, I'm skeleton athlete, uh, two-time Olympian, and uh, already ho- head, uh, head of charity foundation. Uh, it's like my uh, by my it's like my uh, by my surname Hirskevich Charity Foundation. Uh, so life changed completely, and um, now sports uh, feels not so necessary. Uh, feels necessary to help as much as we can. Uh, now we try to do it uh, through the sports also. So now I'm trying getting back to shape, and uh, we are planning to do whole World Cup season and uh, to bring as much attention as possible to Ukraine through the sports. Yeah, well, I, I can also add, uh, because um, this is uh, something mm, very important for everyone else to know that you're also our Ukrainian first skeleton racer, right? So when the war, when the full-scale invasion was about to happen, you were actually uh, abroad right so you just came back home uh during those days on uh, february 24th is that right yeah yeah we just like ten, nine days after uh, olympics like when we come back i think eight nine days yeah so war starts full invasion starts and uh, uh yeah everything's changed but uh, i remember that you made also headlines because uh, back then in beijing you had this uh a banner right that you during the broadcast you you held which um was no war in ukraine or something like that um which was quite controversial uh at least back then uh why you decided to do that because this is not something that as i understand in sports in international sports it's not something that is encouraged much uh already at the time uh, before olympics before olympic starts we had information from the news that uh, a lot a big number of russian troops around uh, ukrainian borders and uh, we decided to create this sign and show it in the competition if situation doesn't change for a better so uh, when competition starts uh, was information about two times more troops. It was information about, like, before Olympics it was 100,000. After a time when I compete, it was 200,000. So uh, it was, like, sign to show that Ukraine are peaceful country and we don't want a war. Like, we're against war. We want to we wanna live in a yeah. normal environment. We don't want to, like, have war. And uh, we want to, like, set our goals achieve it but we don't want to like fight with some orcs so it was the main reason why we do it at that time uh, also like my my feelings was uh, also controversial so when i show it in my mind was like what i'm doing here so like 21st century and no war sign like it's crazy like uh, what's 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 going on with this world but Nine days after, like uh, I understand that it was really, really uh, special, and uh, I fully like 100%. So if I can do it again, I, I would do it because it's it's really important to bring attention and to show that we are not like we want, we don't want a war. That's yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that, and you know it's so brave of you to use the platform that you do have to talk about a cause that's so important to you and. 
you know, we've seen in recent years that, you know, in sports in general, sports used to be, I mean, people say it used to be like an apolitical thing and, and no one essentially did um, stand up to injustice using that platform. But we've seen over and over again, you know, in football and, and many other types of sports, people stand up and make a stance and speak out. I just wanted to ask you a little bit more about the reaction that you got to taking taking a stance, to speaking out about Ukraine, to sharing with the world what you thought was important to share. Um, and has that changed since? Have you been getting different reactions to your, to your positions um, since, I guess, February? Yeah, so uh, first uh, I want to like respond here yeah, on like sports out of politics. So it's it's really um, being loudly said by IOC, it's International Olympic Committee. Uh, but it's also not true. And like uh, for IOC, for like uh, platforms like that, for them, uh, when it's comfortable, then sports is out of politics. Where When they need to do politics in sports, uh, they also do it. So. Uh, my first Olympic Games, it was Pyeongchang in 2018, and in bobsleigh, it's like where four men, like four men bobsleigh, so two men was from South Korea, and uh, two men was from like uh, another Korea, and uh, it was like Union Korean team, so, and they told like all, all headlines was like Korea is united and uh, by the sports, and so it's also politics, so when they need, politics are here, when they don't need it, Politics is out. So uh, for Russia, at example, politics always was there in the sports. And uh, it's a reason, um, also one of the reasons why we had this like biggest in history, Olympic uh, Olympic history doping scandal in Sochi Games. Yeah, so it was government doping program. And if sports is out of politics, why government do it? Also, when we compete on the competitions, uh, when you win, it's uh, you hear your anthem, anthem of your country, you see flag of the country. So it's already politics. You don't listen like, like your own music, your own soundtrack, or you don't uh, put like your own flag. So it's already politics and it's always was politics. Uh, second question about like reactions. Uh, reactions, uh, it was a lot of reactions and most of them was support. Uh, one country, like one representative who showed some criticism, it was Russia, and they start uh, treating me and they say, so I should be disqualified. Uh, but I don't mention in my sign, in my call for a peace, I don't mention Russia. So they was just, uh, yeah, so they show that uh, they, they was like not interested in this sign. But I don't mention Russia in each interview, like I don't mention them at that time. Uh, but other other countries, uh, other representatives of countries show a lot, a lot of support. After that, we was on Congress in Lausanne, in Switzerland, uh, in summer when we fight for a suspension of Russian Russian athletes from our international federation. And uh, some representatives say like they, they don't understand it at the time of Olympics. They don't believe that war is coming, and they think that I'm do. They don't understand what I'm doing. But in nine, after nine days, uh, their mind was changed and they fully understand why, why I do this call for a peace. But uh, still, we have a lot, a lot of support and a lot of um, 
uh, yeah, good words and uh, physically supports and like some humanitarian aid from other countries. And it, I, I really thankful for that. I, I, I actually thankful for you to be so honest and raw about it because you're a young athlete and, you know, uh, that could also that kind of honest, passionate stance for your own country can also damage potentially your career. And you do understand that as well. But you keep keep telling the truth. And the truth is, I mean, I also super appreciated the open letter that you wrote to the president of International Olympic Committee, Thomas Bach. And in response to his ridiculous statement that Russia did not start this war, that Russian athletes are not at fault, and uh, that they want to depoliticize athletic sports. But you challenge him on the fact that Russia has broken Olympic rules. It has a doping program. And uh, you rightly criticize a Russian athlete when that person stood on the podium wearing the letter Z on his clothing. So, I mean, we do understand as Ukrainians how important sports is for Russia and how integral it is for Russian ideology of fascism, like any other fascism. But we also understand the influence of Russian corruption and Russian corrupt money on international institutions of sports. Can you tell, you know, maybe for people who do not know necessarily about how deep it goes, maybe you can educate all of us uh, why is it a problem and why it's not just about Russia's image, but also Russian corruption. Yeah, so several federations uh, heading by Russian uh, soldiers, like Russian uh, colonels, as like Poznikov, for example. Yeah, so he, uh, president of federation of, uh, he he's he's president of National Olympic Committee of Russia, and he is colonel in Russian army, and uh, so. An example, like uh, when when uh, Thomas Bach pull, put this statement, this put this statement, this ridiculous statement. Next day after the statement, Poznikov uh, had a speech uh, at front of all uh, IOC family, and he uh, was telling some information about education stuff, like how we should educate people, and they put some videos. And uh, in this video, this video was from Russia already at time when, when war comes and already with some Russian narratives and propaganda. So just understanding how deeply they are, like even now, colonel of Russian army acting like do like some speech at front of all IOC family about education. So uh, several other federations as a boxing federation. Uh, a matter boxing federation who also a member of olympic family they uh, he also kremlov he's also now like heading this federation and uh, uh, they disqualify uh, disqualify uh, like they banned uh, junior team flag from, from competition so they say ukraine team should compete under natural flag because of because of nothing like because they thinking it's 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 right now so, yeah, in other, uh, yeah, a lot of Russian corruption. So Gazprom and other big Russian companies, uh, they uh, give money to these institutions a long, a long time. So of course they have a lot, a lot of influence, and uh, yeah, a lot of corruption in the sports. It's sad, but it's true. Yeah, and I guess 
to contrast that, I wanted to ask you a little bit. We we ask a lot here about you know Ukrainian identity and how few people feel Ukrainian and in general how they've developed their own understanding of what it means to be Ukrainian. But and I don't know. Maybe this is just my perception. But I I actually like think sport has played also an important part in the lives of Ukrainians in feeling proud about their nation and feeling proud about who they are, what they can do, what they can achieve. You know, some of the most famous people in the world who are Ukrainian are from the world of sports. And, you know, it's allowed us to really show what we can achieve and what we can do. And I just wanted to ask you a little bit about your own experience of how sport influenced your understanding of, of Ukrainian identity and over the years. Yeah, so for me, like, like as I start, like, sports is not only about results. So sports is not highest jump. It's not only highest jump. It's not, like, just uh, super people, like, uh, super humans who can, like, jump, uh, longest jump and, like, run faster, sliding faster. It's also about um, Olympic values. Yeah, these values, what we try to um, give to the world. And uh, it's example what athletes should give to the world. And it's also uh, why we should, yeah, so like on one of the one reasons why we should uh, suspend Russians because like they uh, represent war and death and it's, they don't have place in international sports because uh, sports, international sports should represent good values. And also uh, my experience, like I do like new sports for Ukraine and uh, I'm really proud to do it. And I'm really proud to represent my country to the whole world. And uh, I try to do my best every time to represent my country as best as uh, like I can. And uh, I'm really proud to meet our Ukrainian athletes uh, who like big, big names, big champions. They're also uh, very, very nice people and very educated people. And uh, they really uh, represent Ukraine as good as possible. And uh, I'm really glad that through the sports, uh, because now also uh, at that time uh, when we create charity foundation we also do some charity trainings for kids in the occupied territories and uh, in in like in chernigiv in borodyanka uh, kids going through the hell it's true and uh, it's really nice that through the sports we can bring this childhood back to the kids and uh, through the sports you can see when they like some smiles even after these nightmares, and uh, this is what sport should do. And uh, I'm really proud that even from this charity training, some kids continue their career, and now uh, one of them uh, now here with us in Latvia, and he is also do skeleton, and several more kids uh, in Ukraine waiting for opportunity to also continue do skeleton more professional. So I'm really glad that uh, through the sports we can do good, good things and uh, help kids recovery from the war. Actually, I, I really, really admire you for that because we uh, came across each other after genocide started and one of the things that I was really right away just super impressed that even you know, in the first weeks after genocide started in the war, you regrouped and you started doing lots of volunteering and lot of, lots of help for Ukraine, including the, your foundation, including the work that you mentioned. But 
Can you tell us a bit more, like, why you decided that this is the way for you to uh, to be helpful these days? Because I know that you even tried to enlist into the army right when the uh, war started, but it didn't work out. Um, so yeah, can you you know let us know more about how this this uh, whole work with foundation after the genocide started happened and how you decided that this is a way for you to be? Uh, like first, I think we what's going on and uh, collect some information and tell it um, through the media. So I have a lot of friends uh, all around Ukraine and uh, one of them, for example, like he's from Volnovakha. So all these nightmares, what we see in Irpin, Bucha, uh, Volnovakha had in, in the second day of war, or the third day of war. So, And I try to, to tell this information that like, yeah, civilians getting uh, hurt, civilians building getting hurt. So not not just military objects and it's, it's not true. So this try... Uh, also uh, ask for help ask to do donations and everything uh, for our for our country uh, after that and at that time uh, we also was in contact with um, like uh, army and uh, i asked like w- what i can do and they say like if you had no like military experience now like it's yeah, just just continue your job and uh, it's it would be better so after a few weeks more, we start do volunteering, uh, just like we have a big car from the our sports. It's like Mercedes Sprinter, so you can imagine like it's pretty big. And uh, we start or just be drivers, so like we deliver some stuff. At the same time, uh, my close friends uh, in Kiev, they also do volunteering. So they like, buy some food at supermarket and, and deliver it to people who need it. Um, but uh, at some point we understand that like it's uh, um, we don't use our talents uh, as best as we can so uh, we decide to create charity foundation and try to collect more support through the world so uh, at that time uh, at now we got a lot of support and a lot of big um, campaigns uh, one of the campaigns we finished already with Ukraine aid operations uh, we collect $60,000 for uh, Alaska tents for winter time. It's super necessary uh, and uh, it's for our medical units. So uh, another um, campaign, it was with um, uh, USA Luch. Uh, one uh, man, his name Dmitry Feld. He uh, Ukrainian, but he left Ukraine a long time ago and he lived in USA. He uh, we get in sports so um, uh, together uh, big big container 40 feet container uh, from actually like support more than one hundred thousand dollars in container so it would be delivered delivered soon also uh, we work with uh, different uh, associations atlas associations and try to also bring support to bring support through these associations and they help us uh, also like some aid in portugal we collect some aid in portugal in uh, several cities uh, in Portugal, uh, mainly it was Lisbon. So uh, this aid already delivered to Germany, and uh, I think in next week it will be in Chernigiv. Uh, work with some Ukraine campaigns, so we do a lot, a lot of job uh, with with our foundation. Also, what I'm really proud is this charity trainings for kids. We do it in uh, several cities. So uh, also we do it uh, in Kiev uh, for kids from Mariupol with uh, association Yamariupol. Uh, 
uh, and uh, yeah, so we try to do our best and of course to to bring sports to the kids and uh, to, to recover them. Yeah, thank you. Look, while we're still on this topic, I have a quick follow-up, but this is extremely important uh, question. It's about Ukrainian athletes. And again, Ukraine, if you folks didn't know, Ukraine is one of the uh, legendary names in, uh, in global sports. And thousands and thousands of Ukrainian athletes uh, who are also affected by this genocide and war. Some of them are on the front line, some are volunteering, but all careers are more or less disrupted. So but I wanted to ask you, if you can educate the rest of the folks, what are their challenges now Ukrainian athletes are facing and how their life has completely been changed uh, as everyone's, but still. And if, you know, we have listeners who really love sports, how do you think they can assist and support Ukrainian athletes in any way that you feel, feel might fit? Yeah, so uh, some adults, uh, they go to front lines and uh, it's pretty big numbers and some professional athletes uh, suddenly already uh, was killed and uh, we even have, like by Ukrainian media resources, uh, was created website, it's called uh, Yangle Sports, so in translation it's Angels of Sports. Uh, when you can read about these athletes and uh, get to know their stories and uh, their lives. Um, so uh, some athletes, um, they try to do, continue to do sports to bring attention to Ukraine. Uh, because like after full invasion starts, was several big, big uh, competitions where Ukrainian athletes won medals and uh, every, all whole world uh, here Ukrainian anthem, and it's also very, very important now. Several athletes uh, create foundations and try to work as volunteers, uh, also big names, uh, and uh, if you want to support them, so you can support uh, through this, uh, through the foundations, and uh, if you want to support with AID, you can support it uh, also, like we have a website, you can follow it, if you want to support our foundation, uh, also, uh, it's pretty known name, uh, Yuri Cheban, so two-time Olympic champion. He also has foundation, so you can also find him and uh, support his work. Uh, also, our Olympic champion, uh, Oleg Vernaev, uh, from gymnastics, he is also a volunteer. And they also do some uh, big campaigns. Uh, so, also big foundations. Uh, some athletes was involved to big foundations and also helped them to bring more attention and to collect money. Um, but I think, uh, yeah, so it's it's a way how you can support them. Uh, some athletes uh, suddenly end their career because of war. Uh, for me, most disturbing part, as I think, it's um, uh, kids' sports. Because um, now uh, kid junior teams don't get any financial support from the government. And uh, a lot of uh, young athletes... Um, left Ukraine and go to their other countries and some other country already uh, gave them uh, possibility to training to, to train uh, to do trainings but uh, in future these athletes will compete for these countries so not for Ukraine anymore and it's also uh, very really really bad another challenge what uh, Ukraine sports facing is sports facilities because a lot of sports facilities in Ukraine was destroyed and uh, uh, 
when we like see statistics, it's like uh, really like huge numbers. But uh, for me, like I was in one uh, sports facility in Chernigiv. It's an Olympic center, big stadium. And like few, like few, 500 kilograms bombs was dropped on this stadium, on this Olympic centrum. And uh, yeah, so at, at normal time per month, like more than like four, four or 5,000 people professionally do sports in this stadium. And it's a lot, a lot of objects like that. So like more than, I don't know, like 6 million people, 7 million people can't do sports anymore. And uh, of course, now we don't see result of that on uh, like international sports arena. But in six years, seven years, we will see because new generation not come because they don't have possibility to train. So it's a yeah. big challenges for Ukrainian sports. And uh, we will see result of that uh, in the future. Is this the, the stadium that you're talking about in Chernihiv? Is this the one that you had a photo with uh, pinned on your profile that was like destroyed and... Yeah, yeah, it's right. Uh, also, yeah, we, we saw a lot of objects, but like, yeah, it's, uh, it's in Chernigiv. It was in second day of the occupation, and uh, yeah, it's it's crazy. It's just crazy, and like uh, you can't understand why why we should facing it. But but it's yeah. true, and uh, also another story when war ends, uh, we should rebuild it, and it's also uh, would take a long, a long time. And but I hope we will rebuild it and uh, do it better and. Uh, do we will do more sports objects and our country will be more sporty you know um I, this is really random but when you said it i was like oh that's really interesting i'm like my family is from chernihiv and my uncle used to be like a sports coach i mean he he taught people uh, i think women women basketball for his for a very long time and yeah, it's just he always spoke about like the importance of facilities and about young people being able to, you know, have the, the necessary means and, and places and community to be able to train, to be able to bring up Ukrainian sports. So it's like it's really painful to see actually how, you know, the war has affected places that that were so special for so many but I'm going to bring in Tatiana, who wanted to um, add some more and ask a question specifically about this as well. Tatiana, please go ahead. Hi, Vladislav. Um, so um, I wanted to ask, um, kind of moving on, I mean, uh, sorry, connected to what you were saying about the stadium. <clears throat> I, When I went through your Twitter feed, um, I saw that you pinned uh, at the top a, a tweet of you standing in front of a bombed stadium, as you were talking about earlier, and you titled it, Is Sports Really Out of Politics? Which is a really amazing message that basically, you know, nothing can stay out of politics because without homes, heat, infrastructure, sports also dies alongside everything else. I mean, you know, uh, just like art can't can't be apolitical, just like music cannot be apolitical. Um, when there's a war, everything starts crumbling. Um, so sports is right in there with everything else. Can you tell us how you felt in that moment, seeing something that you enjoy, that other people enjoy, that brings so much, that brings basically so much joy to people, be taken apart and ruined? Uh, it's really hard for like as an athlete uh, yeah it's really hard to to see that stadium where like 
a lot, a lot of kids and uh, a lot of people find uh, a place like, you know, like a, it's a, like second home for athletes. And uh, they spent uh, almost half life in the trainings and uh, now it's destroyed. Yeah. So no, no sports in the city and no athletics in the city because like, yeah, it was destroyed by rockets. And of course, it's 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 really, really hard to see. Uh, but of course, uh, I hope like, yeah, so stadiums can be rebuilt, but lives can't be uh, getting back. So, uh, of course, lives, uh, what was taken away, uh, it's most, most horrible things at, at this war. And uh, yeah, but stadiums, uh, it's hard because, you know, like Ukrainian sports is facing not the best time at all. And uh, at next five, six years. It would be no no new generation because of this war, and it's it's really hard. Uh, but I hope we, we will do all our best to save our sports and to help young kids to continue to do their favorite things. Yeah. And thank you so much, Vato. You brought up, uh, brought up uh, that very important website that is also available on English, youngolesportoteamukraine.com.ua. I pinned it to this conversation. Um, and you also, you can find it uh, online. But there are many profiles of uh, uh, Ukrainian sports people who were killed, murdered, died during this uh, genocide. One of it I think the story that all Ukraine knows is of Alina Perhudova. She was a 14-year-old weightlifter, and she died during the shelling in the blockaded Mariupol. And um, she left her house with her mother when the explosion uh, started, when the Russians attacked, and they, um, you know, they were shot dead by a Russian sniper. Her and her brother, and. She was a pupil of regional specialized children's and youth sports school, and uh, she was actually, um, you know, preparing to be in the Olympic reserve. And was she was she she was just 14. I'm sorry, it's yeah, it's hard to talk about these things because you realize the extent of the loss of the entire generation that Ukraine is losing the best people with so much potential. In this genocide and that's why it's important for everybody else listening especially if you love sports ukraine gave the world so much joy in different sports over these three decades performing and if you love that and if you loved watching sports watching ukrainian athletes i think the least you can do is show them solidarity at the moment and support ukraine in every way possible So this is something that I really wanted to share in the names of these athletes, uh, like the rest of the Ukrainians who died in this genocide should be spoken out. Vlad, I'm sorry, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a hard transition, but um, wanted to wrap up and, you know, ask you our favorite question uh, about what it means to be Ukrainian these days, because 
lots of lots of Ukrainians are rethinking it. Lots of things become clearer. So, apart from your volunteering and work in your career as an athlete, is there something that uh, has changed in your understanding of what it means to be Ukrainian for yourself in recent eight months? Yeah, uh, I want to share one story. Like when we uh, was this volu- volunteering mission in Irpin, uh, we met met people who live uh, in house what was like shoot by the tank, and uh, this house uh, was without electricity, without water, without like uh, uh, warming, without gas uh, for um, more than a month, and we met people. Uh, they was looking like a homeless and. Uh, we ask, we talk to them and like we like uh, at the time we want to give them some food. We start talking and we understand like you know from talk that yeah it's like common people like some some of them working in a bank, some of them was like from Lugansk, and we talk to them and yeah it's intelligent people, but uh, without these things they yeah looks like a homeless, and we give them some food, and uh, they take some parts. And another, they say, no, no, give it to people who need it more. And uh, after we we talk more with them, and they was uh, they had so much hope, they had believed that Ukraine will win, even after all of the nightmares, like nearly their house. Yeah, so tank, Russian tank, shoot their house, and so. But they wasn't afraid. They was like really believe in win, and they was really proud to be Ukrainian. So. I would answer like Ukrainian is to be proud of your nation and to be proud for now. And for me, it's also the same. I'm proud to be Ukrainian and I'm proud uh, to, yeah, to represent my country in the international arena. Ukrainian is uh, it's really strong people and uh, every now uh, whole world watch it. Thank you. Yeah, I, I I agree 100%. Moreover, I can, you know, tell you that as a kid growing up in, you know, eastern Ukraine where there is a lot of effect of colonization and you are not entirely proud of who you are, of your identity um, as a Ukrainian, sports, watching sports, watching our athletes from the first Olympic Games, I remember from football championships. And, you know, I'm not like a sporting guy, but that was important moment for me to watch, not so much because of the sports, but because of that feeling that for the first time ever, I felt proud of Ukraine and I felt joy, feeling like I'm a part of this community and proud for our athletes. And this is a very cherished moment from my childhood. And I'm thankful to Ukrainian athletes because they helped me to felt that for the first time in my life. And hopefully when this genocide is over and war is over and when we win, our athletes and you, Vlad, can keep bringing us that moment of being proud for our country for for many years to, to go. So thank you so much for joining us and spending this time on your busy schedule with us. And uh, 
we're incredibly proud and honored to have you here on Ukrainian Spaces and feature you and your work. Thank you so much. Yeah, I'm I'm really thank you for this invitation. It's uh, really really uh, nice to be here and uh, to speak with you. And yeah, so thank you everyone who listened it, and see you soon. Tiana just shared with us a, a comment from one of our patrons uh, about this episode and it's for Vlad so I wanted to quickly read it which is that uh, yeah, she, she just wanted to thank everyone for today's space and because it uh, reminded her of the transformational power of sports I'm in awe of what you do especially for children affected by this genocide so thank you for coming Vlad and inspiring people who support us and um, everyone else as well that's from our patron Margaret Thank you, Margaret. Yeah, guys, uh, if you listen to uh, this as a podcast, which will, you will, and we will release it uh, uh, in a couple of weeks, please do not forget that it's super important that you rate the episode and also leave some comments under it because that's how it uh, makes us trend on these platforms. Now, Ukrainian Spaces is available already on eight platforms. You can check all of them at ukrainianspaces.com and choose whatever works for you best. Uh, but also thanks again to our patrons that made sure that this broadcast and this episode are is possible. Uh, if you do feel like joining our Patreon um, family, you can check out all the information at ukrainianspaces.com as well. I think that's it for today. Uh, apart from one thing, which is... Slava Ukraine. Heroin Slava.